The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio. From the Global News Radio studios in Toronto, with Hi-Fi portfolio managers, here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good evening, my friends. Show about money. Wow, we're in the month of June. Unbelievable. Uh, well, it's going to be a hot one. It's been a hot one. It's... Uh, it's good, and the market uh, remains quite uh, hot. The Canadian market, my goodness me, uh, I believe is uh, the best performing G10 uh, currency for sure, and I think the market as well. Uh, I said currency because the Canadian dollar got above 83 cents U.S. this week. Uh, par, anyone? I'm not talking golf. I'm talking currency. Hey, who better to ask? Jeff Blanco, uh, managing director, head of uh, foreign exchange uh, with Canaccord. Uh, Jeff, uh, thank you very much for spending some time with us this evening, my friend. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on today, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. So um, you're, you run our currency desk, uh, buying and selling uh, currency, not crypto, of course, your old school uh, fiat currency. That's what they called it, paper money. Um, do you think you're ever going to trade crypto? If I may throw that on the table as a as a quick question to you. Well, well, the old fiat stuff is definitely becoming old school uh, quickly. That's for sure. Um, and I think it's just a matter of time before uh, everyone in Canada gets in on the uh, on the crypto trading game um, from a financial institution perspective. But we're a little bit ways from that yet in Canada. Well, so then let's stick to then what we do do very well, and that is. Uh, of course, trade currencies. Uh, what well, you do—that's that's part of your game. For for Jack and I, we were very passive with currency. Uh, you know, I believe that they all are are self-correcting. Uh, when, when I look at a long-term chart for the Canadian dollar, uh, the long-term chart tells me probably somewhere between seventy-five and eighty-five cents. Then uh, you know that's a wide uh, set of goalposts I put up. But um, you know, it doesn't tend to sit sit at par very long. Uh, if you go back into the seventies and 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 back even further. Uh, I know way back, it, it was actually above the U.S. dollar for a long time. Uh, but, of course, that story did change. Uh, so, again, long-term, 75, 85 has always been my bet. Uh, I like the U.S. stock market. And so to own U.S. companies, you need a U.S. dollar. Uh, and that works well most times. problem is right now we got our Canadian bull market back into play and the Canadian dollar is ripping and roaring. Uh, what is it, guys? Up about 5% on the year. Uh, so, so, Jeff, tell me. Where do you think the Canadian dollar is going? What are your clients telling you about the Canadian dollar? And uh, I guess we might as well throw it out on the table. There is some international interest in the Canadian marketplace for the first time, and I'm going to say in almost over a decade, which is very, very significant. Uh, so can you speak to that for us, Jeff? Sure. The uh, The Canadian dollar has definitely been on a run, as you mentioned in the in the prequel there, that uh, we're the, probably the, we are the best performing G10 currency this year, up about 5%. Uh, the UK sterling sort of right behind us. Uh, and, it's, you know, the function of the Canadian dollar strength has been a function of, you know, a number of things. One is the, once again, the the talk about the structural decline in the US dollar, um, the massive rise in commodities that we've seen um, over the course of this year. And once again, the, we're ben- we would benefit from all the massive stimulus that 
uh, appears to be they're trying to spend in the U.S. Uh, Bank of Canada has been a little more hawkish than the Fed. And we talk of early taper, hike, rate hikes here, um, rates out to zero to the end of 2023 in the U.S. So that's what's caused some of the interest in the Canadian dollar and one of the reasons why we are the strongest currency in the G10 this year. I think from here, um, you need to ask yourself, um, is the Fed narrative going to change at all? Do you think they could keep their head in the sand um, in the face of the asset bubbles we're seeing, in the face of uh, the growth that we're seeing in the U.S., inflation, even though they, they keep telling us or trying to convince us that it's temporary, is the Fed going to be able to keep rates um, at zero for another two years? That's the big question right now. And uh, if that narrative starts to change, then you know buying U.S. dollars at 120 will seem like a, a very, very cheap level, in my opinion. Um, to, to buy the U.S. dollar, yeah. If you just tune into the show, by the way, it's Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. Jack Cardle uh, and myself, Wolfgang Klein, host this show each and every Saturday night. Uh, we bring on the smartest minds uh, on Bay Street and Wall Street to help educate all of us collectively. It's a bit of a money workshop. Saturday night fireside chat with some of the greatest men. Um, uh, we're dealing with Jeff Blanco right now. He runs our foreign exchange desk at Canaccord. We're talking about the strength in the Canadian dollar. So uh, 83 cents, Jeff, uh, based on your last statement, perhaps, you know, near the end of its bullish move, or did you see a few more pennies in it? Yeah. Oh, I think for sure there can be a few more pennies because we've not seen any sign that the Fed narrative is about to change uh, anytime soon. So, you know, you can't really r- rule out um, what's your 85 cent level my way. It's like I uh, can't really rule out 85 cents than that in the very short term. Um, but once again, I, I'm not sure this is a sustainable uh, situation. Almost all the good news you can think of is priced into the Canadian market and the Canadian dollar at this point in time, including rate hikes. Um, I don't think there's any chance that we can see the rate hikes that are priced in, in here without the Fed hiking uh, hiking down there, which will you know will remove the benefit that we have of, of a perceived aggressive Bank of Canada. So I think uh, a little bit stronger in Canadian dollar yet because I don't see anything just changing this particular point in time. Um, but watch the Fed narrative when that turns. Uh, these levels will seem like good levels to be long U.S. dollars for sure. Uh, Jeff, are we seeing, are you seeing global money re-enter the Canadian market? Because the last time uh, there was a rush of global interest in Canada, uh, was during the great commodity bull market of 2002 to 2008. Uh, oil, of course, got to 150 a barrel. Canadian dollar got well above par. Uh, and that, that was foreigners buying our goods, services, companies, and hence need a currency of, of a loony fashion to do so. Uh, is that what, what you're witnessing right now at the margin, cause the dollar to move up as much as it has? At the margin, we are seeing interest in our stocks um, on a daily basis. From foreigners um, every day um, the buyers of Canadian dollars outnumber the sellers by about 10 to 1 um, on a daily basis but that's equity related um, from a from a cross-border perspective uh, we've kind of been seeing the other way um, with Canadian firms buying US dollars to buy stuff in the US um, so mm. that's, that's kind of what we're seeing on a, that's kind of what we're seeing on a regular basis um, the daily numbers on the equity side um, you know, they're probably a balance what we see on the on the on the business going the other way to the south uh, right now. But once again, that business dries up pretty quickly when things when the things change uh, and, and we could see a reversal that pretty quickly. 
Yeah, and if you hear some noise in the background, of course, we got some uh, leaf blowers uh, going on in the neighborhood. I do apologize for that. <laughs> I love those leaf blowers. Uh, usually operated by a steel uh, item, and uh, that's an amazing German private company. It's remarkable how quickly companies in North America go public. Uh, you know, we just think so differently in the Western world, and as such, as such, there's much more greater interest in our markets uh, in the Western world relative to uh, uh, the, the the land of uh, Europe. Um, but again, let's, let's, let's carry on then. Tony Dwyer, uh, this week, our, our chief strategist, um, looking at the market, saying, you know, He's somewhat perplexed um, and a lot of talk around the lack of movement in the bond market. In other words, interest rates have actually come down a little bit in the last few months. And uh, with all this inflation talk, all this strength in the economy talk, the question on Wall Street and basically has been, why haven't interest rates risen? And Tony's conclusion was uh, as simple as economics 101 supply and demand. And without sounding too coy with that statement, his point was um, governments, uh, whatever the issue, the central banks and pensioners are buying them up two for one. Um, so there is just so much demand for credit still. Uh, and so so with that narrative uh, on a go forward basis, um, Jeff, how does that play in uh, to the uh, US dollar weakness or the Canadian dollar strength? Yeah, the ten-year in the U.S. has been pegged at one around 160 for quite some time, and, and every and, once, and as you mentioned, every time the bond yields in the U.S. try to rise, um, it seems to be overcome with you know the fact that our the Fed is buying with their QE is buying bonds every single you know every single month going in and going out. Um, if the Fed narrative changes as we talked about, and they have to start to talk to taper. As they think, as the story goes, they're thinking about thinking about talking about taper as it's going right now. Um, that that will be that will be the end of that will be the end of that, um, I believe. And so watch for the Fed narrative. Like right now, there everybody that comes out, they talk every day. Uh, he's talking about inflation's temporary, inflation's temporary, um, trying to convince us of that. If, if at one point they realize that they cannot longer hold that narrative, then you won't see bond yields remaining at 160 any longer. You'll see them probably closer to two percent pretty quickly, is my guess. And then that will be um, followed by a very strong move in. In the U.S. currency, oh, you think the current the, U, the U.S. currency will rise if that takes place? The, the, the rise in interest rates will push the U.S. currency higher. You believe? Yes, I do. Yeah, um, yeah. and especially against the Canadian dollar, um, for sure. And, and that that move would probably kill technology again. Um, what would that move? Do you guys? And again, Jack, I know you want to jump in. I want you on as well, obviously. But um, if the U.S. Treasury, again, friends at home, we're getting technical with with the show right now. I do apologize for that. But when you talk about currencies, it's what's called macro discussions. It, it's very global, and 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 as such, the terminology uh, is, is a little different than when we talk about companies. But you know, we're here to learn. If you have any questions, by the way, for Jack Rye, it's uh, WolfgangKlein.com. Uh, look, we're speaking with Jeff Blanco. He runs our foreign exchange desk. Uh, he's a managing director with Canaccord. He's a very, very smart man. Um, you know, the, the currency markets are one of the largest markets, if not the largest market in the world. We don't speak about them enough, but they are very, very important from a global perspective. So let's continue to learn, work together, and help all of us have more money. 
Hi-Fi Radio, Global News 640 Toronto. Stay tuned. More show right after this. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Well, that's what the show is all about. May you have more of it. Stay tuned. Turn it up. Let's learn something. Uh, it's Wolfgang Klein, host of the show. Jack Hartle, co-host partner in Your Wealth Success. Jeff Blanco, our managing director, head of foreign exchange with Canaccord, uh, here to help us discuss the strength in the Canadian dollar, the weakness in the U.S. dollar, interest rates, and, of course, uh, a view forward as to how the next number of months <laughs> plays out again. Pure guesstimate, educated as it may be, but it's fascinating stuff. Uh, Jeff, thanks for spending time with us this Saturday evening. Um, Jack, you want to come in there with a couple of uh, points uh, around the uh, currency move and uh, ask Jeff a couple of questions. I'll throw it over to you. Sure, absolutely. Thanks, Wolf, and thanks, Jeff, for joining us. Um, just looking at the currency and the move that it's had, like we said, it's around 5% uh, this year, appreciation in the Canadian dollar. How far do you see this really running uh, as it goes through the course and goes through this cycle, Jeff? Uh, there's going to be some counter trend rallies along the way, like you mentioned, especially if the, ped, if the Fed does a pivot. But, uh, you know, you've seen these moves before. And once the Canadian dollar starts moving, how far can it go? Yeah, I, I don't think 85 or even 87 cents is out of the realm of possibilities in the short term, um, assuming, like I said, assuming the environment that we're currently in stays the same, Fed narrative stays, Fed keeps its head in the sand and, 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 talks about transitory inflation. Um, and with the stimulus that we're seeing in the U.S., uh, Canada will benefit from that. Um, but we're in a pretty, I think we're in the, a pretty precarious position at the moment. Um, positioning is at four-year highs. It's been that way for several months. Um, if there's a hiccup, you know, in this thing, I think you can see, um, you know, back up. You could see us give up that 5%, go back to 80 cents or even 79 cents. A pretty and pretty quickly, um, so it's a really tough situation. Uh, as long as nothing changes, um, I don't think I don't think we're done with the weakness in the U.S. dollar, strength of the Canadian dollar, just yet. Um, Bank of Canada is normally not a big fan of a stronger currency um, because obviously the simplest way to to keep growth intact is is to export our way out of out of problems. And Bank of Canada has been focusing on for a long time on our non-energy exports. Um, but terms of trade suggest that with all the stuff that we're selling, prices going up, we can we can support a stronger Canadian dollar. So the Bank of Canada has been fairly quiet with regards to the strength of the Canada, and actually been somewhat more hawkish than the other central banks globally. So that that's what leads me to believe we're not quite done uh, with the strength of the Canadian dollar under the status quo. Yeah, no, I would just add to that, Jeff. The fact that the Canadian dollar has been so strong, um, you mentioned you know the previous uh, session that we were talking about, um, you know. When we have a strong Canadian dollar, the market right now, they're pricing in a rate hike. But the fact that you have a strong dollar actually reduces the, the probability that you need to have that rate hike. Um, 
for the simple fact that a strong Canadian dollar uh, is keeps things, uh, it's relatively deflationary. Uh, it keeps inflation intact, um, although we do have some significantly strong growth. Yeah, like I think we have uh, we have over 100 basis points in, in hikes priced in uh, going into the end of 2023. Um, that seems pretty aggressive when you, when you look at what's going on um, south of the border, for sure. Uh, but the strength <laughs> of Canada does keep things uh, under control here, for sure. But if you look at, you know, uh, look at the price of lumber, look at the price of oil, um, look at the price of almost every commodity on the planet, and they're all very high, if not making new highs. So, you know, that once again, that does support the strength of the Canadian dollar as well. And and with as for the terms of trade, keeps uh, it keeps the value of the Canadian dollar fair, I think, on a global basis. I was going to say, there, de- there definitely is some inflation, lots of inflation in the system. Uh, the Fed is focused on the, the transitory effects of this uh, this reopening phase that we're going through. But uh, the simple fact that the Fed keeps on saying how transitory it is, and any time a, a central government continues to pound the table on something, uh, it tells me that there's maybe more to be uncovered. So I think maybe yeah. some of this inflation will be sticky, especially with the fact that you're seeing um, labor inflation in the U.S., which tends to be a lot more sticky than commodity inflation. Because you know, once you give someone uh, an increase in wage, especially at the lower end, it's, it's very hard to take that away. You raised that point too, Jack, uh, a while ago about the crowding out effect of government uh, with the CERB. Uh, incenting people not to go to work, stay at home. Many people making more money staying at home than actually working. Um, and so, too, Tony Dwyer was on our call, uh, and I think he spoke to Jim Cramer. Yeah, Tony Dwyer is speaking to Jim Cramer in the CNBC studios. Cramer owns a bunch of restaurants. Uh, for him to hire a dishwasher, he now has to offer that individual, I'm not sure, another 5 or $6 per hour. And once you offer that person that money, you cannot take it back. It is completely sticky. It's very inflationary. Um, so there's no question there is inflation. If you look at Canada's um, trade surplus that we just printed this week, i.e. we haven't seen one of those, I think, in seven or eight to maybe 10 years. 10, but 10 the trade years, surplus, I think 2008, I think, it was, was the last time we might have seen that. 2008, so it was, it was, it was yeah, yeah. yeah. But and, and all that surplus came from, oh, there's a surprise, oil and lumber, which means you, you made a very interesting point. The Bank of Canada and, and obviously our governments would like to see our exports increase outside of, um, of carbon. And they, they try their darndest. But, you know, <laughs> some things don't change. And uh, Canada continues to be a whore of wood and drawer of water. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, the strength of the global economy, of course, speaks to the loony, which speaks to commodities. Not a whole lot more. But, Jack, again, you and I talk about You speak a lot about being an economic background major. Speak a lot about um, productivity. And to increase productivity, businesses, in other words, to get more out of a unit of labor, businesses should invest in capital, meaning equipment that makes things more efficient. And all of that capital is on the international market, primarily the American market. Uh, so when you got a strong Canadian dollar, it's good to see Canadian businesses use that strength to buy the U.S. dollar so perhaps they can buy some new equipment to be more productive because Canadian businesses have used a weak currency as a crutch. And we've we've seen it before. When you take that crutch away and you got a par currency, yeah, commodity producers do well, everyone else hurts. Yeah, I would just add to that. The, the one push uh, that we just talked about is the fact that if wages are increasing, if a dishwasher costs you, I don't know, $22 an hour, what's the, the logical thing for you to do in a low interest rate environment? Is buy a dishwasher, a mechanical one, buy some technology to replace that dishwasher. So that's right. that's the way the economy works. Yeah. And if yeah. you are productive, if you're a strong economy and productive, it all goes back to currency. What are you going to have? 
you're going to have a strong currency. You're going to have something that people want to own. Yeah. Well, the good news is we do live in a global village. Our homes are, sure, Canadian dollars, but hey, at 83 cents US, our home is actually worth more money on a global stage than it was last year when it was 77 cents US. We earn, if you're employed, uh, Canadian dollars. Well, they're now worth 83 cents US as opposed to 77 US. So uh, there, there is a global wealth effect uh, that does occur when the Canadian dollar appreciates. Uh, and there is the opposite effect when the Canadian dollar depreciates. We become poorer citizens. So it's, it's very funny. It's a bit of a, a double-edged sword, bittersweet scenario. Uh, but we certainly do not want a weak currency uh, or too weak of a currency. Just one that works and that's, uh, I think, fair. Correct, uh, Jeff? Yeah, I think that's the uh, that's always the objective and, and notoriously difficult to achieve. I think uh, with, uh, you know, there's overshoots on both sides always, as you as you noted before. Um, but you always seem to come back to what is a sort of a fair equilibrium, which is around that uh, you know roughly 125 level, which is like 80 cents effectively, right? Which is the midpoint of the range oh. you mentioned earlier. Oh, the, yeah, the old word we haven't level. I haven't heard the word in a long enough. Purchasing parity or purchasing par parity. Remember that? Or the yeah. Big Mac index, the Big Mac index. That's something I have to Google. Hey, eh? uh, if you travel the world, uh, your currency should be able to, wherever currency you, you convert into, um, it should be able to buy you Big Mac. And some places it, it's cheaper and some places more expensive. But uh, yeah, the Big Mac index. I wonder if they would still use that, eh? I haven't seen that. It used to be in The Economist. I haven't seen that uh, published for ages. Well, I used to get Jack to go to Alberta and count the rigs for me to see how many drillers were drilling oil. Uh, I stopped that activity as well. So things do change, hey guys? Uh, well, Jeff Flanko, Managing Director for Currency at Canaccord Genuity, with his view on the Canadian dollar. Uh, important discussion, uh, very helpful commentary. I do appreciate your assistance. We, uh, uh, as investors, have a big position in the U.S. market. Uh, so we are getting some headwind right now from the uh, currency weakness. Um, I think uh, it's a question of uh, riding it out and uh, not trying to get too cute because currencies don't move that much, i.e. 3 to 5% from here, perhaps. Uh, if you have a stock that could perhaps move 50 to 100% in the next five years, I think you maintain the trade. Um, Jeff, you have yourself a safe weekend, my good friend. I look forward to seeing you back on Bay Street. Uh, one day, Jack and I will uh, reunite down on the street here. I know spending a little time in the office, but uh, hey, yeah, you're trading currencies. All the best to you, man. Thanks for your help. Uh, we're going to speak sir. to Sandy McIntyre uh, next, uh, former strategist with uh, CIN Sentry. Uh, just an absolute brilliant man. Loads of wisdom. We're all going to continue to learn so much right here on Hi-Fi Radio, Global News, 640 Toronto. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show, my friends. It's a show about money. 
It's Hi-Fi Radio. I play you that song as Charlie Watts turned 80 years old this week. Charlie Watts, 80. Unbelievable, eh? Check out those bongos in there, eh? Uh, Sandy McIntyre, I'm making you feel young, buddy. Uh, Sandy McIntyre, retired strategist with uh, CI and Sentry. Um, a big heart spends much of his time now in a philanthropic capacity sitting on the board. Uh, sorry, the name of the charity that you're on the board for? Um, it's uh, UTS, uh, University of Toronto Schools, um, right. the high school I went to. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing, Sandy. And uh, being that you're retired, you know, many guys from Bain Wall Street uh, dream of the day when they can golf every day. Uh, I understand you managed to get out for a game of golf. How'd that work out for you? Well, it was, it was funny. Um, I have good shots and I have bad shots. On the first hole, I checked in from about 40 yards, which uh, I haven't done in years. And uh, I was draining putts, but my irons were disappearing. Uh, so it was, it, was fr- it was frustrating, but uh, I know what the cure is, and uh, it's just uh, swing stability. Hey, let's have some fun for a second. Um, I, I'm a big believer in, in universal truths. Um, you know, when something is true, you can test it in multiple disciplines for verification. And if it proves true in all disciplines, boy, is it ever true. In other words, truth is better than evil or truth is better than a lie. You can't argue with something like that. So when you, when you play the game of golf, when you look at the game of golf, Give me the, the first parallel between it and building wealth. Risk-reward. Um, are you going to play a low-probability shot that is at the limits of your game, or are you going to play a high-probability shot that may result in a slightly higher score but the, it eliminates the risk of putting uh, um, a figure eight on your scorecard. Snowman. There you go. Snowman. <laughs> how, about, how about a deuce, buddy? You ever put a deuce on? Double digits? Hey, take it right up. And I, that, that's oh. in the putting, by the way. That's the putting. <laughs> oh, I used to lose so many balls when I played golf. I, I'd, I'd go through 20 balls in nine holes. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> risk, reward, risk. Oh, yeah. Risk management. That, that, that's actually absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, yeah. Putting for driving for show, putting for dough, eh? Um, well, interesting market, Sandy. Uh, you said this a few points um, about cryptocurrency. Um, uh, Coinbase, uh, the world's largest uh, crypto trading uh, exchange, uh, I put my toe in the water with a 1% position in my growth mandate. Um, how do I manage risk? I move, I go in small. It won't put me out of business. If I duff the shot, I have another ball in my bag. I can drop it. I'm okay. Uh, and I'm not playing for par. I want to keep it on the fairway, so to speak. It's Kevin Vandermeer uh, taught me that. That's his line. Just keep it on the fairway. And I mean, he's talking about pl- the market, not playing golf, which is another golf analogy. Just keep it on the fairway. Um, but every now and then, I, I, you know, something new that, that, that could be revolutionary that, that you have to respect and you often don't respect it enough until you put some money into it. So I put a small position into Coinbase in our growth mandate. Uh, you know, it, it IPO'd, uh, it, it, it showed some weakness. Uh, I bought some stock probably at 330. Uh, it, it, it immediately continued to, to, to go lower and lower and lower. Uh, now it's got a two handle on it trading at around 240. 
so it has not gone in the right direction, but it is the biggest. Um, and they, they sell pick and axes, as I like to say, to the miners. Uh, so you, you need to trade somewhere. Um, I just had our, our, our uh, managing director of foreign exchange on the show, um, Jeff Blanco. And, you know, he envisions a, a, a day when his trading desk that currently trades in pounds and euro and U.S. dollar uh, and a few other currencies, he envisions a time when, yeah, he too will be probably incorporating crypto into his regime. Um, so crypto is volatile. Crypto is manipulated or, or, or easily moved by the likes of Elon Musk and, and, and memes uh, and tweets. Uh, highly speculative. Uh, so it's certainly not a currency yet. But what are your views on it, uh, Sandy? I know it all gets down to belief. Do you believe? Um, I look at it in a slightly different way. I, I don't think crypto is a currency. Um, currencies are units of measurement. They measure the value you attribute to the goods and services you engage in in everyday life. It's most convenient to use the same unit of measurement that the population that you live in uses. The values are relatively stable and decayed with measured inflation rates. And I, I do note that the measured rate is not the actual rate. Um, if you choose to use a different measurement to determine the value of a good or service, you're then dependent on the bid-ask spread in that unit of measurement. And the bid-ask spread is wildly unstable for crypto. So one of the things I think uh, Elon Musk re realized is that manufacturing vehicles is a low-margin business. And using crypto with an unstable bid-ask spread resulted in them effectively speculating on what the realized price would be on a vehicle if they accepted crypto. Uh, crypto is not deep enough or liquid enough to become, at this point, a primary unit of monetary measurement. And until that trading desk is actively engaged, in arbitraging out the value of crypto, I don't think it is a currency. Yeah, no, I would have to agree with you. It's crossed my mind many times why so many businesses would, would begin allowing crypto as it, it the swings are so wild. Um, the high this year for crypto, gentlemen, was what? Was it 55,000? And it's currently, I can't even keep track of it. I think it's, it was 55, trading as low as I think 35 or 38 right now. Uh, please correct me uh, with, with, with my bad quote. Um, I'm, I'm just going to uh, get my Bloomberg up and uh, get Bitcoin. And of course, there's so just, many new coins coming to market, uh, new means, fungible coins. Uh, so, yeah. Sorry, Jack, you want, to, you, you want to say something there? Yeah, just while Sandy's pulling that up there. Uh, when, when I got that piece of work from Sandy uh, talking about crypto, it really made me think that maybe, maybe the whole crypto space has just been misbranded. You know, they, they talk about a cryptocurrency, but maybe, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Bitcoin, I don't understand it's a store of value because it does fluctuate so much, but it certainly has demonstrated, uh, you know, some of the attributes, more of the attributes of, of a store of value, similar to, to what gold would have, obviously with a more speculative nature. And, you know, the fact that uh, we do have mark-to-market accounting, uh, in well, that's basically how we, we account on a quarterly basis. Those wild swings in in Bitcoin can meaningfully affect not only the, the price of the the cards that they're going to receive, but if they're carrying that uh, asset on their balance sheet, 
um, it can meaningfully affect obviously their their quarter to quarter earnings, which investors do want to see some stability, right? Correct. And I, I saw a quote from Charlie Munger, and I scratched my head and said, "Is is this real?" Charlie Munger was quoted on Instagram uh, saying, "I would rather own cryptocurrency than a T bill. I'd ra- rather own cryptocurrency than a government bond." Um, <laughs> And I, I could, you know, nod my head and say it's, that makes sense to me because on a government bond, you're virtually guaranteed to lose money over time. But Charlie Munger, the, a deep value manager, question on that one. I think it was maybe Ray Dalio that said that because I know that Charlie Munger once called it rat poison. So um, we'll I'm not sure if, if there was yeah, Char- there. Ray, Ray Dalio. Ray, Ray Dalio said that as well. I caught one. From, I caught one from Charlie Munger on Instagram uh, as well. Oh, so yes, okay. Ray Dalio did as well. Yeah, I think, I think they're both in the camp. Uh, did you get your quote up there, uh, Sandy? Are we, yeah, are we logged in? The high was on the 14th of April at 64.87,000. So 65,000 arguments say. Yeah. Um, the, the low was at the beginning of the year at 28,000, and it got back to 30,000 in May. So uh, if, if you look at it, um, wow. Yeah, it was on May 19th. So within a month, it went from 65K to 30K. Right. How do you, how yeah. do you price a good or service in the context? Incredible. Yeah, no, it, it, unbelievable. And goes, I, I, this year or the last 12 months, we heard of more and more companies saying, oh, I took a position in Bitcoin, i.e. Square, um, we, to Tesla. Um, I think Sotheby's was going to allow transaction in uh, Bitcoin. Uh, and as soon as the company mentioned Bitcoin, uh, the stock popped. Uh, look, we're going to take a quick break. We're delighted to have Sandy McIntyre on the show, a veteran of uh, Bay and Wall Street, a retired strategist, uh, but the, the man's mind never sleeps. Sharp as a tack. Uh, delight to have him available to us this Saturday night. But good friends, grab yourselves a drink. We're going to take a quick commercial break and get right back to the show about Money Hi-Fi Radio, Global News, 640 Toronto. Money. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone Or the times they are changing Right on. It is Hi-Fi Radio. Global News 640 in Toronto. Uh, drove my kid to work uh, this week, and I have little chats with him. He's 17 years old, and uh, he's been delving into uh, the market a little bit. Um, very small, but uh, nonetheless, he is. I'm very, very proud of him. He's doing his homework, and he's coming up with his very unique ideas. And as I'm going through my my daily drive to work with uh, my son, I, I, I'm feeling more and more like Peter Lynch. Peter Lynch wrote a famous book, One Up on Wall Street. And he spent a lot of his time observing his wife's uh, 
shopping habits and his children's shopping habits. He would walk malls and see where stores that were busy, stores that weren't so busy, and begin to form a, a mouth thesis to an investment thesis and then continue to do work on it. Um, you know, with technology, with handheld devices, uh, children today are more empowered than ever. And uh, it's amazing how young some of them are getting engaged in a uh, grown-up world of, of financing. Uh, it's just unbelievable that the, the, the interest is there, and I'm delighted to see it. Um, meme investing, uh, Sandy McIntyre. Uh, I'm still having trouble even understanding the concept of meme investing. Uh, you know, uh, BlackBerry this week became a meme stock. AMC, hey, Free popcorn for investors. It's a meme stock. How can you best describe it? If you can't, uh, I think you can, Sandy. Uh, how can you best describe what is meme investing? And is it here to stay? And, and, and what do you make of it? Um, I, I have my own unique view of meme investing. Um, I call it, uh, well, uh, Rowan Atkinson used to play a strange character called Mr. Bean. And Mr. Bean did everything in reference to what other people were doing. Uh, he would not act independently. Uh, he, he was very good at showing the ridiculousness of living your life in reference to other people's behavior. And meme investing to me, whether it's an AMC or a GameStop, um, th these these are businesses that a generation that came up as millennials would be very familiar with, um, because when they were teenagers, they went to GameStop to buy games. They went to the theater and they'd go in. Uh, to various chain restaurants, um, they, they have a familiarity with, with the concept, but they have no familiarity with the financials of the business and the actual return on capital employed, which governs your long-term returns through generating earnings. So you get wild trading and something that has a familiar name, but no actual fundamentals. Uh, what, what brought my email to uh, Jack on was actually I was at home getting a modern thermostat, an Ecobee installed. Love uh, mine. So that we could set the air conditioning from the cottage when we chose to return to the city rather than air conditioning the house throughout the summer. Um, the HVAC technician, I would put his age early 30s, and uh, he was regaling me with his trading <laughs> in GameStop and um, Bitcoin. Um, and it was very clear from the discussion that he was using the Reddit website. Um, so you're, you're getting an aggregation of views um, with millions of small orders pushing thinly traded non-institutional stocks around. 
Um, then they get involved in the options market. Oh. And the options on AMC last week were 5% of the total options traded in on U.S. options exchanges. That's incredible. incredible. That is incredible. Now, on the other side, if, if, if you're doing an options trade, uh, you're going to end up with a dealer who is either short a call or long a put, and they want to hedge it out, and they, they have to hedge it out in the physical market. And uh, that, that, that introduces volatility to the physical market. That is uh, very interesting. Now, regardless of any fundamental value, and um, now we've got, got Reddit going, I, I look at various periods of time, and if, back in the days of the income trusts, uh, they were a focus of various stock chat rooms, and you'd see individual names move on comments. Um, I actually used to do BNN, and I stopped doing it after one of the stocks that I suggested was good value ran 6% during my uh, market call. Um, and I just said, well, sorry, I, this, this is not something I want to be involved in. Um, when gold became popular, the focus switched over to gold. When Reddit became popular, the focus switched to whatever Reddit's talking about. As a species, we're addicted to action. We feel we have to do something. And in many cases in investing, Action is absolutely the wrong thing that you should be doing. <laughs> doing nothing is doing something, my good friends. Uh, I repeat, doing nothing is doing something. Not always, but often. And Sandy and I love the following quote. We should say it together, Sandy. A portfolio is like a bar of soap. The more you touch it, the smaller it gets. Sandy McIntyre, um, you are such a young man. Uh, you're staying very current. Uh, keep golfing, uh, keep stretching, all right? We don't want you to throw your back out uh, playing that silly game of yours. I think you're a decent golfer, mind you. Uh, you don't want me in front of you, pal, I'll tell you. You do not want me in front of you, Sandy. And no, no, I, I'll just stand by your side any day of the week, man, certainly on Bay Street. You're great. Uh, Jack Hartle, excellent job lining up the guests today. I really appreciate your efforts on that, my good friends. Uh, may you have more of it. It's a money show each and every Saturday, Global News 640 in Toronto. If you have any questions, WolfgangKlein.com. Jack and I are here for you. Uh, no question too big, no question too small. Uh, we are here for all when it comes to money. Have yourself a great weekend. Thank you. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.